Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations, a podcast exploring the cool Christian girl's guide to living in America. I'm your girl, April Davenport. I'll reveal to you a little personal testimony while merging ministry, education, and real life. We will also discuss current events with relevant figures of our time. It is the perfect blend of headline news, black girl magic, and of course, Jesus juice. Come with me on a journey you won't soon forget. So stay tuned, don't change the channel, and let's take a ride. Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. I'm your host, April Davenport. Welcome to episode three. I'm so excited that you're here. Hopefully you got a chance to check out episodes one and two. If you didn't, make sure that you go right back um, and check those out. But if you're not, that's okay. Just stay right here and make sure that you hit the subscribe button and also connect with me on social media because I'd love to learn more about you. I'm so excited about today's episode, Conversations a conversation with Pastor Carrie Turner. I love Pastor Carrie Turner. I don't really know anybody who doesn't love Pastor Carrie Turner because she's such a burst of encouragement, such a burst of enlightenment. And of course, she keeps us laughing on social media with her real life posts. Um, so, so excited to have Pastor Carrie Turner with us today. Welcome, Pastor Thank Carrie. You. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you so much me. for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah. We appreciate you and we know that you are such a busy woman of God. So we appreciate you taking the time out to join us. And then, of course, we know that we're still in a pandemic. So we, know, we, we appreciate you still taking the time out and just, you know, sharing with us, gleaning with us today. So um, for those of you who don't know about Pastor Carrie, we know that she has spent her life, you know, being devoted to youth and doing a lot of nonprofit work. But now she is pastor of emerging generations at new birth and i'm just in love with your title um we know that we don't live for titles but one of the things that i love about your title is just the fact that you are the pastor of emerging generations just because i just truly believe that um we are always being molded right and that we are always just emerging into something new but the other thing uh, the word that comes out of emerging is merging, right? And that God really intended for the generations to constantly be working together. Sure. And so I love that about you. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you do at New Birth? Yeah, sure. Um, you mentioned a little bit. I always like to give this background because I think some people think that I just arrived at New Birth. <laughs> um, that's not how that happened. Um, I have spent more than almost 20 years, um, not only in the nonprofit sector, but also in the government mm -hmm. um, sector, um, leading um, national programs that have a focus on signature youth program development, that type of thing, um, in addition to procurement and strategic development and branding and marketing mm -hmm. and all of these kind of things. Um, I have been blessed to be able to take all of my skills that I was able to glean uh, in the marketplace and use them now um, in a way where I use every single thing um, for ministry. And so, yes, I um, accepted a position at New Birth as the pastor of Emerging Generations. It feels like 17 
18 years <laughs> with this pandemic, but right. I just, my official day was January 1st, really the 31st. But, um, and so it has been really a whirlwind. One of the things that I also love, I told um, Dr. Bryant that after we came out with this Emerging Generations um, title, everybody was going to have a pastor of right. Emerging Generations um, at, their, at their church because I think it's so brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and I think that he is so forward thinking in terms of even having come up with it. Um, and it really just speaks to the context of new birth, which mm-hmm. is really a space where there are more than five, upward to six generations in one space at one time. Wow. And so a part of my responsibility is to um, ensure that we are, we're not just a multi-generational church. We are an intergenerational right. church. It's two very different things. Multi-generation Certainly. is you have multiple generations in one space. Existing. Intergenerational is that you are intentional about those generations interacting with each other. And so we have really been trying to do the work of doing that. A part of my job is I oversee and have the pleasure to serve um, as young as six months all the way up through 40. So that includes our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our young adult ministry, our millennials, our college students, high school, middle school, singles, um, and you know, adults in general. Wow. And so um, it has been a huge task, um, you know, to say the least. I come in with a strategy, you know, for the year to kind of rebuild and get us to a certain place. And then COVID happened. Um, and everything that I thought that I knew I was going to do, Change. I had to, yeah, just th- literally throw it out of the window. But um, New Birth is such a special um, place. It really, really is. It's such a special place. Um, and I'm honored to be able to serve under Dr. Bryant to serve on an incredible leadership team. I can't even tell you how brilliant um, they are, the people that I get to serve with. And then ultimately, um, the people that I serve with every single day and that I serve. So it's been my privilege um, and my pleasure. We have gotten through this first half of the year um, in the middle of just, I mean, this is just completely different and nobody has had a blueprint for what um, this is supposed to look like, you know, exactly. I took a class um, a couple of years, maybe two or three years ago, a cyber theology class as I'm working on my doctorate um, in ministry. And when I took the course, I just, you know, I was interested in cyber theology, wanted to know what they were talking about, I had no idea that I was going to be living it. But the Lord knew. Um, listen, <laughs> right now, today, I'm telling you. And um, and so that is, that's where we are. But that's a part of what um, I get a chance to do at Newburgh. I love that. I think that's amazing. And um, I agree with you. I don't think for every class that I have taken throughout my education, I keep thinking and for every discipleship class that I have taken, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout ministry, throughout church. And I keep looking back through all of my books and I'm just like, is there anything that prepares us for ministry through a pandemic? And I just don't think that there is. And obviously we have the Lord's instruction. We have, you know, the Bible and we know the children, you know, um, of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. And I think, you know, apparently we're in some type of wilderness. So, you know, this is definitely new. And I think the beauty of that, though, is that we're all experiencing this together. Um, And so I think that we do, you know, we are able to rely on each other, if nothing else. And so I do believe, though, if nothing else, that the that the Lord is calling the kingdom to come together and to be able to figure this thing out together. And so, you know, I just pray that we all make it to the other side so that we can have this awesome testimony to share about how we made it through this 
this pandemic, yeah, you know, yeah. and so, but we got to get through it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we we do. I, you know, I think that we are um, so accustomed to hearing God in a specific way. Right. And watching God do a specific thing through a specific venue and a Certainly. specific avenue. And it is just not the nature of God to, he is consistent. He is, he is consistency, mm-hmm. right? We know that he is, he never changes, changes. but his strategies change. Precisely. And I think that that's what people have to understand during this time while we serve the same God, the methods by which I think he uses to get done what he wants to get done in the earth, he can sometimes turn upside down. And I think that that's a part of what this is. So I think anybody that is not pliable, that is not flexible, that is not willing to pivot or adjust um, is going to be uncomfortable. And I would, I would dare say would even miss God because if you're looking for him to perform what he has always performed in the way that he's always done it at this time, it's just not going to work. So I, I yeah. so agree with that. And I think, uh, that even speaks to how I t- started to do this podcast, yeah. actually, because um, as I mentioned, like on a previous episode, I've always wanted to have my own talk show. Sure. And me too. I thought that was going to be on uh, TV, right? Yeah. And so as I've been praying, praying, praying for years, yeah. like, you know, God put me on TV. That's yeah. literally how, like, sometimes I'm, you know, I go to God sometimes as if, like, he's my my earthly father. Sure. Like, you know, God put me on TV and God just kept putting, you know, the YouTube channel in front of me, the podcast in front of me, like, no, that's not what I want. I said, put me on TV. And God just kept putting the podcast yeah. in front of the YouTube TV. And like literally, you know, in June, God's like, literally, seriously, how long yeah. are you going to ignore this? This is what I said, do. But yeah. you're exactly right that God, you know, he is sovereign. And yes. He gets to do exactly what he Listen. wants to do. How he wants to tell do on him. Ain't nobody you, who can you go to on him? Exactly. I'm still trying to find out. Ain't nobody you can tell on him. So nobody can else. Do? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, you know, there's speaks one of the things that we're going to talk about today is just, you know, being able to really balance grace and grind, you know, especially as a black woman, right? Um, You know, we're in such a unique position as black women. I think it's, first of all, I think we're, you know, God has really gifted us as black women. I think it's such an amazing position to be in. Um, But then some people, you know, are really pressured, honestly, as a black woman, especially as a black Christian woman. Um, But, you know, and so we kind of have to really find the unique um, favoring the unique position to really kind of balance grace and grind, right? We like to look good. I mean, sure. you know, both of us, we love style. I mean, we you're do. always beautiful, uh, you know, but, and we like to kind of, you know, make sure, hey, both of us are single women waiting on our kings to come. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we don't want to just kind of like look like, you know, a handmaiden all the time. We want to look beautiful. We sure. want to look sexy. Sure. Um, but we also want to make sure that we're balancing, you know, the grace of Esther, right? The yeah. grace of Mary. And yeah. so, you you know, there's a way that you, how do we find that? So like in this society today, especially in this pandemic and, you know, 2020, and I know that so many people started out in January thinking this is my year, you know, I mean, 2020 just sounds so beautiful, right? Everything's going to be perfect this year. Um, you know, in our society today, where do you think spirituality falls? Where do you think religion falls? Do you think that we live in a society that promotes, you know, spirituality do you think we live in a society that promotes religion yeah where do you think it falls in the society today you know i think it's a bit of both and i think Mm -hmm. you have um some sector some context that um do promote you know religiosity and then you Mm -hmm. have others that 
do promote some level of spirituality, you know? So I think it's really just kind of finding where um, you fit, um, where you grow, maybe what is most important to you. I think it's typically where people are. Um, But I think right now people are having to depend on relationship more than religiosity, um, which births a level of personal spirituality. Because I think, you know, we're living in a time now where you can't simply depend on what your mama says about right. God or right. what your grandmother said about God. Um, I am having to find myself, although I'm blessed to still have my mother and I can, I, I talked to her before I got here this right. morning. So, you know, I talked to her on the phone. I can ask her questions, those, those types of things. But there are things that have come up in my life, even during this pandemic, where I had to go to God directly for myself. Right. And I couldn't depend on what she knows about him. I had to figure out what I know to be true Mm -hmm. um, about him. And so I hope that if nothing else during this time, people have um, the opportunity to really just get to know who God is for for themselves. I have even found myself, I was thinking about this literally last night as I was meditating, I was laying in bed, just meditating before I went to sleep. And I was thinking about something crazy that I did. And I was like, oh, Lord, let me make sure. Oh, God, I repent for this. Please, I, I want to make sure you hear my prayers. And I, ho- I heard the Holy Spirit say to me just as softly, he said, it is not the Lord's design um, to make it difficult for you to come back to him. It is not the Lord's design to make you have to jump through hoops and run. And, you know, because religion makes you feel like once you've done something wrong, that it is impossible to get back to God, that you have to work your way back to the Father. You know, if you sin, you block off your relationship with God and the Lord can't even um, see you. Those are lies. That's why that's where the blood comes in. We know that we, you know, don't operate in sin, but every day we fall short of the glory of God and the enemy uses condemnation to keep us in a space of making feel, us feel like we are never worthy to pursue him while the whole time God is waiting like I knew that you were going to do that right I am not creating boundaries and barriers to keep you from me I want you I don't care what you to do to you do to always to be able to access me so you know I pray that right now people are developing a personal spirituality one where if they are in a congregation or in a building that they are good with God if they are outside of a building that they are good with God, that their core is strong. You know what I mean? I don't know if you work out, but one of the things that um, I train you, so you know this, exactly. (laughs) One of the things, you know, that my trainer helps me work on is strengthening my core. And And it's so hard. It is. It really is. (laughs) But I think right now is the time for everyone to strengthen their core core. um, in terms of what they believe in their faith, what their real values are. Right. Because all of these things are now shifting what you might have thought was important to you six months ago it's really not. just might not be important mm-hmm. anymore so I pray that that's that that's what it is yeah I that people are that. building personal relationships I agree with that and I think that like you said and that's one of the things that I actually discussed like the color purple is my favorite book oh yeah because Celie developed her own path to God sure and I think that it is so viably important yeah. that everybody develops their own yeah. path to God yeah 
I appreciate and I am so grateful that, yes, I was raised in the church sure. and that my parents, you know, raised me with a firm foundation sure. because it did allow me to have to not experience a lot of things that may have, you know, made it very difficult sure. for me to get to God. Sure. I appreciate that. But yes, I think that it is so extremely important, though, that I did not just stay there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And then that I did find my own path because yeah. we have to, you know, my pastor always says that, like, we never graduate. Graduate. Oh no. We never yeah. stop. And yeah. so he says, you know, if you live to be 100, at 100 years old, you better still be trying to find where God is. I agree. I agree. You know, no, he's so says, good. Yeah. Like my great uncle lived to be 97, yeah. and at 97, he was still going to Sunday school. Yeah. You know, still going to Bible study, but yeah. not even that. Still every morning waking up, yeah. talking to the Lord, yeah. you know, because yeah. we can never learn pursuit. enough. Yeah. And I yeah. think that is so important. And how you find him, you know, in whatever ways you find him, sure. I think it's so important. And to survive in this world, I think, you know, it's so very important yeah. because there's so much that comes at us, right? So Absolutely. many challenges, mm -hmm. so many uh, things we face. And, you know, I think everybody has learned the word crisis in a different manner. Oh, now. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so what would you say are some challenges that black women are facing? Yeah, I, I mean, our very existence. Right. You know, waking up every day as a black woman, quite honestly, for so many of us um, is a challenge and has been a challenge um, from birth for right. many of us. Mm -hmm. Some may not have the same story. Everybody's story is different. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, this this challenge of navigating uh, between who we naturally are, the shades of our skin, um, our personalities, you know, um, um, the 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 having to navigate the family structure, you know, who society says we have to be versus who we might in innately be. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I think that there are so we would be here talking all day um, about that. But I think that there are so many obstacles um, that black women in particular face in our current um, society that, you know, can keep us in a state of sadness or depression or anxiety. Um, just this level of angst, you know, we have always, for the most part, um, have been taught to perform faster, better, harder, um, to be greater than everybody else because the expectation is that we won't be the best. And so right. there is this level of pressure, I believe, that we take on with that. Um, even in terms of our bodies and what we look like, how we're shaped, how we're designed and those types of things, there has always been a consistent message to black women that um, we're not exotic enough. We're not beautiful right. enough. We're not our hair isn't this enough. Our, you know, and there are always these things, I think, that happen that even pit us against each other. You know, do you wear a wig or you don't wear a right. wig? Are you natural? Do you have a perm? You know, yes. and it seems silly because I think ultimately it is. But I think that there are always it's just an example of these small dividers that keep us in a space um, of feeling like we are not enough. And right. so um, I think that those are just some of the challenges in light of also having to watch what's happening to black men in, in our nation, mm -hmm. um, how that impacts um, who we are. And it's not to make those issues about us, but we are directly connected to each other. Right. And so when there is harm done to a black male, whether you have an uncle, a brother, a cousin, or whatever it might be, we are we take that on. We have always been the backbone of the movement. We have always been the backbone of the black church. We have always been the backbone of the back, the black family. Right. And so I was reading um, this post, somebody posted it um, a couple of days ago.
ago and the person said something to the effect, I'm just kind of quoting, you know, that when a black woman expresses frustration, people tell her she has an attitude. Um, we never have the space to just feel whatever just, we yeah. are feeling. Yeah. Um, or they tell us, you know, oh, you're strong, you can handle it. And so we don't ever have a space where we can just collapse, you know right. what I mean? under the weight of whatever pressures we are facing in light of every single thing that we're in, because we are so multifaceted. We're not just doing one thing. We are CEOs. We are pastors. We are designers. We are, you know, we're engineers. We're police officers. It's all these different things that black women are doing and not just one thing at a time. We're doing multiple things at one time. And so the pressure of that alone, you know what I mean? Can just be difficult. I was sharing with someone, they were asking me something that I love about my mom and something that was a challenge with my mom. Mm-hmm. I love that she is so resilient. I've never seen anyone work as hard as she does. No formal degrees. Um, my mom has been a blue collar worker really for the most part of my entire life. I am two generations away um, from housekeeping. My mm-hmm. grandmother did private homework where she cleaned floors for white women. My mom worked in um, a laundry, still works mm-hmm. in a laundry. Mm-hmm. I have never had to clean floors I have never had to fold towels. Um, there are some toilets. There are things that I've never had to do because of um, the work of my mother and even the work of my grandmother. The challenge, though, is they didn't process pain. They pushed through pain. Right. There was no time to examine how they were feeling. There was no time for them to even know what depression was to navigate it in a healthy way. And so it's those types of things I think that we have to constantly be mindful of because we're so strong, because we're so resilient, we are still human. And I think it's so easy to forget our humanity. And so when we are mindful of that, we also know that self-care is important, um, how we treat ourselves mentally, spiritually, physically, all of those things are important. So child, we face all kinds of stuff all day long. Um, And it's so funny because actually what you're saying sounds so similar to my story. Yeah. My mom grew up the baby of 11. Yeah. And she, but she lost her mother when she was eight. Yeah. So she was, you know, they were raised by their dad and um, they grew up in a very rural part of Georgia. And so, you know, my mother, I'm a generation away from my mom and her brother and sister still picked cotton. Yeah. You know, and it sounds such like a foreign concept because though I was blessed though to, you know, go to college, yeah. go to graduate yeah. school because once my aunts and uncles then, you know, graduated from high school, they all, you know, moved to Atlanta and they were just so determined for their kids, for me, you know, my cousins and I to not experience life unlike anything they had experienced you know they worked extra hard um and so we did that but like my mother she she wanted to have an education you know what i'm saying she really wanted to go to school but um people in her hometown they didn't encourage black kids to go to college you know what i'm saying so they pushed them out of high school and that was it Mm -hmm. but you know even still now my mom at 60 like she loves learning yeah Yeah. and i you know i'm trying to tell her like as a college you know it's never too late yeah like you know you can go now you know and i'm like helping and so like but in the back of her mind she's just like no it's too late for that yeah you know and i'm trying to say but if the desire is there that's right you could do it 
but like in her mind she's just thinking there's no way April yeah. I'm 60 you yeah. know and yeah. so it's interesting so I think you know but I think that there's a pain there like you said but the processing of that pain like she refuses to even yeah. analyze it yeah. she refuses to address it yeah. you know and so it's interesting some of the things that you brought up because I do feel like in a way that you know black women have this shared space yeah right where there's so much that we share you know whether it's an issue whether it's a challenge whether it's a love yeah. you know whether it's an interest yeah. but then on the flip side of that there is so much competition mm. with black women yeah. and you know it's like versus there's not a communal space yeah. you know we share this space yeah. but it's not communal yeah. you know and like where is where does that come from yeah. you know it's like does it do we create that competition or sure. do you feel like that competition is created from the outside and almost kind of like poured in? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And some of it we know it's historical. Sure. Right. Sure. You know, I sure. mean, and it goes way, way back, Absolutely. way back. And it was created for us. But yeah. now in a generation or in a society where we're so educated, we're so smart, mm -hmm. where we know we can identify that. Yeah. Why do we continue to perpetuate it? Yeah. You know, yeah. where do you think that comes from? You know, I don't know. I think, um, I do know. Well, yes, I think, um, I, you mentioned, you know, much of it is historical, which I, which I know to be true. So we have no doubt about that, particularly with color lines, education lines, those types of things. So we know that that, um, is the case, but I think, um, a large part of it is, um, you know, I have found that it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what type of bags you carry. It doesn't matter what you dress like, who you're married to, what you drive. Um, if you still have issues with identity and purpose, you will always have challenges with other people who are aware of who they are and what they're called to do in life. And so I think the greatest, um, the greatest issue with the spirit of competition is what I like to call it, um, is rooted in insecurity. Mm. Because I think that whenever, and people, you will always hear me say this, when you are ignorant about who you are and what you are called to do, you will always hate a person that knows. Right. You will always despise a person that knows. And so I think a lot of it comes from just that. You know, I don't, it's, it's, it's sad because I think, you know, much of the greatest support that I get comes from women, but much of the, much of the, the, I, I hate to say hate, but discontent that I get comes from, from women, women as well. Yeah. My greatest challenges in ministry and even in the marketplace um, oftentimes come from women. They don't come from men. Yeah. I already, you know how to navigate that. We yeah. know what that is. <laughs> right. um, but sadly it does, it does, you know, come from women. And I think sometimes it is just really just this idea or um, this, this insecurity that we are not, that many of us are not mature enough to deal with because you have to be mature to address what causes you internal discontent. Right. And you can't project what you got going on on other people. people. Yeah. But that's for grown women. Children yeah. don't know how to navigate that yet. And you can be adult in age, but still a child in mentality and mm -hmm. in spirit. Mm -hmm. And so you have to ch be able to check your own self. Why do I feel this way about this woman that I don't even really know? Right. I've never even met her in some instances, right? I'm looking at, particularly with social media, I'm looking at what I perceive see her to life to be yeah. because yeah. N nobody is I don't care what they say nobody's giving you a full story 
of every single aspect of their life. We, it is controlled content. We give what we want to show. And so you got to, you literally have to ask yourself. So based upon what I'm seeing her post, why don't I like this person? Right. You know what I mean? What is causing me to feel discontent about somebody that I've probably not even had a real con? con you got to ask yourself that. Right. Like that's not, you know, 10% of this person. Yeah. You right. know, listen, like, I hate Beyonce for what reason? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, you can you can say maybe I feel like this person isn't talented or, you know, maybe what they do don't speak to who I am. That's fine. But you can not necessarily follow a person's gift or, you know, something that they do professionally. But for you to have disdain for people, you got to figure out what that is. That is an issue. Right. That is a That's a spirit that you have to deal with. And oftentimes, I think the saddest part about it is... We have more in common than we do. Um, Absolutely. You, than, we, than, than we than we than we not. But I think we don't lend enough space for understanding what our um, connections are versus this other stuff. And so until and not all women are that way. We know that. Um, but until we can be, I think, first honest with ourselves, because um, you can't cheer for other people while you have discontent in you you can't you can't genuinely be happy no, for other authentic. people it's not mm -hmm. and the, here's the thing we all have insecurities mm -hmm. we all have things in us that make us be like oh my god I don't feel like I'm good enough am I smart enough am I this am I that but you deal with that in a way that is healthy for you so that you arrive to a place where you can show up as the best you what is not healthy is to take what I feel about me and project it on you because I feel like you are doing something that I've not gained the courage to do yet. If you want to know, ask me, how, how are you doing that? Do you know right, what I'm saying? Right. How did, how did this work for you? Or how are you battling through this? Because the truth is we don't know the behind the scenes. Right. And I think maturity helps us understand that while she is amazing in this sphere, man, I wonder what price she's paid to sit in that seat. I wonder, you know, what, I wonder how many tears she's had to cry. What's the story? Because I don't, I, I'm never interested in people's arrival point. I don't care really about where they are per se. She I care the about what the was the journey. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then what is she still going through? Because we have this warped idea that we arrive at wholeness overnight. Wholeness is a lifelong process. Precisely. I don't believe that we'll be whole until we check out of here and we meet him. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You can get to a space where you're healthy, but yes. I just don't think to me, wholeness projects perfection and that you have it all together. And I just don't think we ever get there. I think we get to places where we grow and we mature, but I just think that it's rooted in ignorance. I think it's rooted in self-ignorance and sadly willful ignorance yeah. because there is no reason it's not the will of the lord for us to be blind about who we are it's not his will that we roam the earth aimless right. you know but i think when you intentionally don't tap into that relationship to find out who you are you will always hate everything else around you I and agree. so i think that that's where unfortunately that's where it comes from i certainly yeah. agree and i agree with you about the journey to wholeness because i mean if we think about you know god tells us that he's constantly 
molding us all like, the time. You know, I mean, he is all the, the time. He's constantly yeah. reshaping yeah. us, yeah. you know. And yeah. so, I mean, who we were in our twenties is not going to be the same person we were I'm in so our thirties. Listen, who we was last week, <laughs> right? Huh? I'm glad, right? Not, I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm yeah. thinking about who I am today. I was yeah. not the same person just a few months ago. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? I mean, and I thank God for that, honestly, because yes. who I was a few months ago was not ready for this podcast. Sure. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and so that's mm-hmm. good, though. Mm-hmm. But you know, and like you said about last week, I mean, but that's good because even still, yeah. you know, at different points in our life, we were probably not the best person, and so Absolutely. we have to constantly grow. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that's why it's so important, especially as Black women, because I really do believe we are the carriers of society. Oh, and are. if we are not constantly doing evaluations of ourselves to yeah. say, you know what? I mean, I was reading in my devotion last night about you know just again about the power of words, yeah. right? And how our words are so important Mm -hmm. and you know about uh how we're speaking to people and the power that that has right um and if we're just not constantly evaluating what we say to people you know and again like you said what we're projecting on to people um and how damaging Mm -hmm. that may be Mm -hmm. or how freeing Mm -hmm. it could be Mm -hmm. you know um but we're the ones that are responsible for carrying this society and i don't think that sometimes you know Black women realize how powerful we really are. And it's like, if we could realize that, and then if we could then take the time to address, you know, the insecurities that we may have. And that doesn't mean then that, you know, we're going to be perfect. No. You know, because we're still going to have flaws. But, you know, God loves us flaws and all, as Kier Sheard said. Um, And then, you know, I think that we can still love each other, Mm -hmm. even with those flaws. But at least I can say, you know what, girl, I am in need of some prayer in this area. You know what I'm saying? But then at least if I address them, then God will be more apt to show them to me. You know what I'm saying? In Mm -hmm. those areas. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as you're working with multiple generations um, at new birth, and then of course, I'm sure that allows you to be able to work with them outside of new birth. um, You know, what problems do you see or what challenges do you see across multiple generations that may be the same, you know, across multiple generations, aside from obviously, you know, the insecurities. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone is in pursuit of, except for like children. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we can kind of rule them out because they're, they're, well, not rule them out, but I think that their experiences are different. Um, But I think in, in light of them and really every generation, you know, we all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. Um, we all are processing our emotions um, at the level at which we are most comfortable or, or that in which we can understand. Um, and so I think that those are the things that I'm seeing, particularly now, because um, most of us have been inside. Mm-hmm. Um, what inside looks like, mm-hmm. um, we don't really know. Um, I think about myself as a child and if something like this happened and I had to be locked inside of my home, what would that have been like for me? Um, It would have been detrimental because much of what was happening in my home was abusive. Mm -hmm. So if somebody told me that I had to go to school from home, that I had to stay locked inside, do you know what I mean? 
Um, and, and not from my mother because she worked so much that she wasn't there. So I would have been left with right. whoever was there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the responsibility of looking after myself and then I have a younger brother as well. So I think, you know, much of what we're facing is being able to sort through our emotions, how we, how we're filled because things are heightened at this point. You know, we're having to face things that we probably knew were there, but we were so occupied that we weren't forced to have to deal with it. them. Yeah. So now we have to parent have to address, you know, even what we were talking about earlier, your niece and what she's thinking about in terms of school and right. the anxiety that that looks like, you know, how children are feeling about what's happening right now in right. their life. Um, adults don't have the luxury to just be like, go to school, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or get out of here. No, yeah. you have to, everybody's having to deal with where they are and figuring out how to deal with that in healthy ways. Um, and just being mindful of the fact that there are still certain environments that are not healthy for people. Um, domestic violence has gone up. Right. You know what I mean? I can't even imagine the numbers around molestation and rape and physical abuse um, that children and youth and adults are suffering um, during this time. So I think, you know, we're all just in a space where we're trying to gather as much peace as we can, um, get as much understanding as we mm -hmm. can. And I will just go back to what I said before, really having to um, deconstruct and reconstruct our under understanding of God and Christ right. and where he at. Right. What that looked like. Right. You know, what, what you doing? Are you speaking? What, you know what I mean? Um, so that we can get to a place where we can kind of successfully navigate this. I've been reading things where people were like, if you don't come out of this pandemic with a book, if you don't come out of this pandemic, you know, with um, 15 companies and all this other kind of stuff, you waste the time. No, if you come out with your mind That's intact. Do you know what I'm saying? If you come out, if you if you if you can just come out, you know what I mean, in one piece and have a piece, you've done well because everybody will produce something different. Right. And this is the thing, I think we're so fixated on producing things that people can see that this is a season in our life where you have to produce some stuff that's internal. That, that people may not see the benefit of until later. You might not even see what that looks like until down the road. Right. But it's okay to feel like you don't have something that you've got to um, wave a banner about yes. so that people can, you know, so that people can, right. can look at right yeah. now. I was telling you we're in the middle of um, a sabbatical. And so we're trying to take a break, which mm -hmm. I love because I said I would never serve in a ministry where the pastor doesn't take a break yeah. and doesn't believe that leadership should take break. Because mm -hmm. what that means is you're going to work the heck out of me um, <laughs> because you feel like you work in the heck out of yourself. yourself yeah. And it's just unhealthy and it's dysfunctional. God didn't say to us, I suggest you take Sabbath. It's, it's a rest. command. Rest. Right. right. It's what he did it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's what we're supposed to do. But I think, you know, in the middle of that, some of what I've been thinking about myself is I always feel this, you know, oh, I need to do something. What's this next book going to look like? What, and, and I literally am just like, no, just do for right now. Just do nothing. It's OK to not feel like you need to hurry up and move to the next thing. Mm -hmm. It's probably not even the best thing to do. But because you're on this wheel of feeling like you need to hurry up and do something, um, it just increases anxiety. It mm -hmm. increases undue pressure that we put right. place on ourselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a time for if the Lord calls you to work on something, um, there's a project that he wants you to do, by all means do that. If he, it's a time where he calls you to take Sabbath and rest, by all means do that. I think the key is understanding what he's saying to you during this time. 
um, and how you can best honor his voice in our in our lives right now. Right. Yeah. I definitely think it's the season of the secret closet yeah. and just being uh, in the closet oh, yeah. and making sure that you're listening and, yeah. um, you know, just making sure, like you said, just being tuned to his voice mm-hmm. and just, you know, understanding and hearing what he says. Because yeah. um, I am definitely that person that is always on. And, yeah. you know, my mother has to say, April, you just need to calm down. <laughs> right. You just need to rest. Yeah. But, you know, it's so hard for me to turn my mind off. off. Um, Typically but creative. I have to do it so that you know that yeah. the Lord just says, I'm trying to talk right now. Yeah. So if you would yeah. just listen. But um, I definitely agree with you about, you know, uh, for me, because I was just sharing with my sister, who's also an educator, that, you know, my spirit was really heavy earlier uh, last week in thinking about um, students who I know take respite in going yeah. to school, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and being able to get out of their homes yeah. uh, because their homes is not a safe space. Mm-hmm. It's not a peaceful mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. And now they don't have that respite. Yeah. And so, you know, I was really uh, just, you know, very low in spirit yeah. and thinking that they don't have yeah. um, that place anymore. Um, and so, you know, for people who are able to go to church and get, you mm-hmm. know, for people who are alone a lot yeah. and they get to go to church yeah. and, you know, get a cheerful uh, spirit, you know, Mm -hmm. next to them. And I'm just like, you know, was really like, you know, God, why won't you deliver us? You know, why won't you get us out of this? Um, So that, you know, these people can get what they need. And, you know, just as quietly, God says, you know, I am what they need, you know? And he was just like, you know, I need people to return to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he says, you know, of course, you know, we are vessels always, you know, willing to be used in his service. Yeah. But, you know, people have to return to me. Sure. You know what I'm sure. saying? Because we are not a replacement for God. No. And I think that, you know, in all of our inventions and innovations yeah. in ministry, mm-hmm. um, in some ways, not intentionally, but, you know, we try to put so much, so many things in place of God. And I think that, you know, in this season, God wants us to know there is nothing that can take his place. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so um, my prayer is that we would return to God, you know, in everything. Um, uh, Esther, I love Esther. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's one of my favorite women of the Bible. Um, Who do you channel? When you're going through like some of your toughest times, yeah, you know it depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, it, de- it depends on the days. Some days it's Esther, some days it's Deborah, some yeah. days it's Hannah, mm-hmm. some days it's Mary, some days it's Elizabeth. It Again. just you know yeah. it depends. I think um, on whatever the situation is and being able to kind of tap into. Um, whatever anointing the Lord has given to them for faith or right. trust or belief or boldness, whatever it might be. But yeah, it just depends. Um, some days can be all of them. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Lord, give me yeah. a fresh yeah. blend of everybody. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. Um, what would you tell somebody who may be just struggling right now in this yeah. time, who needs just a word of encouragement? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would tell them, um, it's so funny because I was sharing with some someone that it's so easy to tell other people. Um, and then I go home and it's hard for me to believe the, the very same thing for right. my life, um, for myself. Right. Because um, I think typically as leaders, we are sensitive to other people. We can see for other people. We can cheer for other people. But there's difficulty in those things for ourselves. But I would just really encourage them um, to know in your knowing you know what yeah. I mean? 
um, that God is still faithful, Mm -hmm. um, that none of this has caught him off guard, that the word he spoke over our lives for this year is still good. Um, I believe that he's still going to make it good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we confuse how things happen um, with believing that he no longer said it or he changed his mind. Just because he changes the vehicle doesn't mean he changed the word. Right. And so I think as frustrating and as scary as this season might be, as difficult as it might be, um, if we have nothing else, we have his word. Because that's all I got. I don't, I, don't have, I have. I don't have anything else. It is literally my dependency on his word and what he said what he has promised, what he has declared, the fact that he said that wherever he has sent his word will not return void. You know, the fact that he has said, you know, that, that it is his good pleasure to bless me. You know, the, the, the fact that by his word, the worlds were framed and, and order came into chaos. Do you know what I mean? So God is not, he is not a novice. Hallelujah. Pardon me. He is not, (laughs) he is, I had to just remind myself, he, he is not a novice. at this thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? He has done this from the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, he is fully aware. You know what I mean? Because of that, you know, I'm grateful that he doesn't confuse my voice with your voice. He doesn't confuse your voice with mine. You know, he hears us uniquely to who we are. And, you know, I love that we just serve a God that is not moved, but is moved enough to to get involved in in our affairs. You know what I mean? I mean, one of my favorite um, stories in the Bible was when the children of Israel were under duress in Egypt and the Bible talks about how they cried out to the Lord for help. Mm-hmm. And the scripture says that he personally mm-hmm. got involved right. in their affair. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't send nobody at that moment. Yes. Do you know what I mean? He yes. personally got involved so that he could navigate what he needed <clears throat> to navigate, which ultimately involved other people. But the point is he got directly involved in what they needed. And I think now is setting a stage for God to get directly involved, involved, to get personally involved in whatever we're, we're having going on. And I think that whenever there's chaos, whenever there is confusion, where, whenever there appears to be that God is not moving, it is really a setup for a miracle, for him Absolutely. to do what is impossible because he loves glory. Yeah. He, he loves glory. He loves honor. He loves attention. He loves worship. And so anything that creates a platform platform for him to be able to get that. That is exactly yes. what he's going to do. And so I would encourage anybody, I don't care how bleak it looks, when it looks bleak, bleak is a platform for God to do whatever Amen. he needs to do. I think it's just a matter of um, the Lord reigniting a fire in us for us to believe again. I think some of us have become so exasperated mm-hmm. um, with hope and with belief that there is a spirit of hopelessness that has creeped in that creates a spirit of bitterness right? That causes us to be, become so cynical that we don't have the faith to believe that God will do it. But I pray that God gives us the same spirit that the man had when he said, listen, father, help my unbelief. I know that you are able, but I'm a little tired and I'm, and and, and I'm, and I see you do it for other folk, but I'm just not sure if you're going to keep on passing by where I live. Do you know what I'm saying? I I just, I just need a little extra something so that I can believe because we, you know, I was telling my mom this this morning because she's always like just wait on the Lord you girl <laughs> right, that's my mother listen I hear my you mother, girl. Your mother can be listen, really good I'm like, I hear you sis but that's not you know right it, it's 
it's natural to get tired and it's natural to get frustrated. And I believe that the Lord knows that because the Bible says we don't have a high priest that is not, you know, that doesn't understand what right. we experience. He came That's in flesh so that yeah. he knows. So, you know, I would just encourage, you know, people to ask God to reignite a new hope in them, to believe in every single thing that he said, to go back to what he said. I don't care how long ago it has been. And to look at what has been manifested from this point in time, because we're living in some of that manifestation. And then we're still waiting for God to do other things as well. But he said the faith, the size of a mustard seed, because I think he knew we might not be We didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot. He knew knew that we might. (laughs) not be capable of more than that but I pray that the Lord even now just ignites a new fire of faith a fresh hope a fresh belief um, where the enemy is not robbing our hope um, to believe that he is going to perform exactly what he said that he would do it and I just believe that he's so good that he does it even greater than what we could have anticipated there is no way this next thing that God is about to do for you there's no way that you could have even been prepared for it right and I think that this pandemic is just really the launching pad for God to do what's next in an ex- in an extraordinary way I yeah. agree yeah. I believe that and you know I think that, hey, we are walking together. We are agreeing together. So it must be so. At the beginning of this year, the Lord gave me, he said, my word for the year was clarity. Mm. And we know that the Lord reveals all things in his time. And I believe that. I certainly believe that. You know, and I believe that sometimes, you know, like the three Hebrew boys, we got to walk in the fire. Oh, God. But we're going to come out of this Ooh, thing. No more fire, you know Jesus. Yeah, we're going to come out of this <laughs> Have thing. Have to. And not just know? come out, but come out unsinged. Unsinged. With, no, with not even the smell of smoke. But look, at this point, I ain't just trying to come out. That's right. I want to come out. <laughs> Listen, unsinged. Absolutely. Not smelling yeah, like any fire smoke. More beautiful than before. You. you know, with so many blessings. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, with. People believing and knowing yeah. that God is real. Oh my goodness! You know, oh, my because goodness. that's what it's really all about. Absolutely, being able to add some yeah. souls to the kingdom. Yeah. And so, you know, we just want to make sure yeah. that people are looking at us mm-hmm. and realizing that you know what, if they can make it through, listen. I can make it. Please through. use me as right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, if yeah. I gotta lay prostrate yeah. just to get a little bit more faith to go yeah. on the next day, yeah. and I think that's what I try to tell people all the time. Yeah. Don't try to look at the rest of 2020. Just take the day. I'm trying to tell you, just one live day at, one day and, at and a biblically, time. That's what the Lord says to us. Why are you worried about tomorrow? Why you got to focus on today? Day. Yeah, give absolutely. us this day. I'm telling you, you know our daily bread. Yeah. He just yeah. he did not say worry about Thursday, yeah. Friday. Yes. Day. Give us this yeah. day. So yeah. that's what we, our prayer for you yeah. is, you know, if you're watching, if you're listening, yeah. Yeah. you know, we just pray that you can make it through today on whatever you. day this yeah. is. Yeah. And so Pastor Kara, we just thank you so uh, much for joining us. If, for we me. could literally talk to you all day <laughs> long because we love you so much. So we just pray that the Lord continues to keep you, thank you. that he restores you fully for thank all that you're you. pouring out for thank the kingdom, you. that he blesses you at new birth and all that you're doing, that he continues to bless new birth, yes. that he continues thank to bless you. Dr. Brian and the yes. work that you guys are doing. We know it's a great work going on yes. and that he just continues to bless the kingdom because we just believe that we 
believe that he is doing a great work and we Absolutely. know that we're all going to have a testimony on Listen, the other side sure of this sure so enough. we can't wait to see it and we yeah. know this hopefully will not be the last time yeah. that we get together and so we pray that the lord grants you sweet rest thank you doing your sabbatical <laughs> not just physically but mentally yeah. spiritually and emotionally yeah. Yeah. so that you can refuel refresh and recharge yes. um and so we thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode of confessions convictions and conversations our favorite conversation with Pastor Carrie Turner, balancing grace and grind in a black girl's America. And we're just so grateful for you. And we hope that you've hit the subscribe button and that you've connected with us on social media. Because, of course, we want to learn just as much about you as you have learned about us. And before you go, we want to say a quick prayer for you. God, we thank you so much for my army today. And we thank you for Pastor Carrie Turner. Please continue to keep your hands all around her and through her and in her. Thank you for the work that she's doing for the kingdom because the kingdom is surely all about you. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. We are just getting started. So make sure to connect with me on social at AS Davenport and at Fresh Start Fridays. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.asdministries.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and be a part of April's Army. Remember, any time is a good time to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, live by your own personal convictions, and it's always a great time to have a good conversation. I'm your girl, April Davenport. See you next time.